But while, while I was exploring what I wanted to share about today, the first thing that came to my mind was to give an encouraging message about how to receive your breakthrough. But, but as, I, as I studied, I felt that God wanted to give you a prophetic challenge today. I had a vision that sitting right here are forerunners and difference makers and superheroes in this generation. And they're not on TV. They're not all out there somewhere. I'm talking about you. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. <clears throat> Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. The, the Bible says that if you've got Jesus in your heart, that you've been sanctified. That's a fancy word that means you have been set apart from the world called out of the darkness and set apart for holy purposes. It's where, it's where God takes sinners and losers and evildoers and gives them a new nature and shines his presence and glory through them. And that should be every one of us. We're not anymore. The labels are gone. You're no longer a loser you're no longer a sinner, the Bible says, but now you are a saint, which means you've been taken out of the ordinary and you've been made extraordinary. God has put his spirit in you to shine in the dark world. The word church itself means the called out ones. So if you have Jesus in your heart, you are no longer of this world. You are no longer, oh, I'm just human. You lost that excuse a long time ago because you've been called out from the human race. And you carry the very glory and power of God and you have been recreated in his image. You're not called to fit in. You're called to stand out. See, once you're a child of God, you lose the and one more excuse. And that's, well, everybody does it. It doesn't matter if the whole world does it and you're the only one who doesn't do it. But you have a calling and a purpose on your life. You're not like everybody else. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. You're not just ordinary. You're not just everyone else. But the Bible says you are, you are a vessel fit for the master's use and you are his masterpiece. So I'm going to read this quote. Live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. You see, the scripture I read before said, you are called to glow in the dark. 
You're called to be a shining star in a dark world. We don't want to fit into the darkness. We want to shine in the darkness. We want people to say, oh, there's something different about you. Oh, you carry the presence of God. Even without opening your mouth, people should notice something. To see you beginning to shine forth, even in just who's in you. So I have some more quotes here from some of the great theologians of our time. And the first one is Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Here's two quotes from Oprah Winfrey. One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way. There are many paths to what you call God. And she also said, I'm a Christian who believes that there are certainly many more paths to God other than Christianity. I have one more great theologian, Katy Perry. She was asked, she she grew up in church. At one time she sang in the choir. And she was asked about her Christian upbringing. And she said, at this point I'm just kind of a drifter. I'm open to possibility. My sponge is so big and wide and I'm soaking everything up, and my mind has radically expanded. Just being around different cultures and peoples and their opinions and perspectives. Now, I'm not judging Katy Perry. I bless her in her process of seeking God. But if you're going to be a sponge, and you're just going to take in everything around you, in every way you think is going to lead to God, And if you believe that there's more than one way, you can't be a shining light because there's only one source of light in this world, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. There's a deception even in the church that it doesn't matter what you believe because God just loves you. Yes, God loves everyone, but not everyone is going to shine his light. Not everyone is going to fulfill the purpose and destiny God created them for. In, In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus, he stood in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah 61, which is verses we read a lot, and he stated his purpose here on earth. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor is come. See, we're here as a church to build you up and equip you and restore you and bring you to life and wholeness for you and your family. 
But Jesus is saying here, that's not where it ends. God now wants to use you to restore another life, just as you're restored. God wants to use you out there to build, to touch people, to help others find the peace and joy and blessing you have found. It's not just enough if I'm Christian, oh, I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. God is with me. That's not biblical Christianity. That's step one. Step two is I'm blessed, and now I'm going to find someone, whoever God puts in front of me, and I'm going to love them back to life. So just as Jesus proclaimed Isaiah 61, he's passed the torch to this generation, and now his mission is now your mission, to preach good news to the poor. What does that mean? To go amongst people who lack, people who are downtrodden, people in poverty, and let them know that there's a heavenly Father who loves and values them, and even, even as the world looks down on them, and that he is their true provider, to proclaim captives will be set free, that those who are bound by sin, sickness, addiction, the very power in God in you is enough to begin to proclaim freedom, to break those chains of darkness over people. to open the eyes of the blind. Now, par partly that's literal. I believe that God wants to use you to lay hands on the sick and do supernatural healing, but I believe it mostly it's speaking about bringing the truth of God. The world needs to know that God is not all about women can't wear makeup or pants or you got to wear a suit to church. See, the church today is known more for what we hate than for who we love. I hate you. You can be like me. Come to Jesus. That's a lie. The world's never seen the truth about who God is, a loving, sacrificial Savior, willing to die and pour out his love so that we can have relationships, so we can be free, so that we can walk in joy. To set the oppressed free. God is looking for those who would be a voice for those who don't have one. See, God is the God of justice. In Isaiah 58, verse 11, it says, Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. We're not called to go watch the news and walk through the world and just curse at how bad it is and how evil it is. But we're called as restorers. God placed us here in this community to change it, to go into the broken homes and bring wholeness, to speak life. It's not an accident that this church is right here in this community. And we're called to be restorer of broken hall, 
of broken walls, broken dreams, broken hopes. See, the calling that we have extends far beyond the walls of the church. Earlier this year, Pastor George did a series on following God's people through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And he touched on many of the heroes of the faith from the past. But in this season, God is looking, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those who are his. And God is looking for modern day heroes like the men and women of old. God is calling forth the Davids who will be tender in in music and worship and at the same time will stand and defeat the giants of oppression and bullying and fear and injustice. I know a lot of people have this theology, well, everything's just going to get worse the enemy's going to get bigger. The darkness is coming. So there's nothing we could do about it. That's all a lie. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If, if you have an idea in your mind that the enemy's just going to get bigger. Oh, all the evil. Oh, we just got to live with it. These are the last days. You show me that in Isaiah, it says that the government of the Messiah, the increase of his government will have no end. We're not accepting the government of hell. We're going to break down its walls. We're going to stand against it like King David. God is seeking the Elijahs who will restore the broken and forgotten altars of prayer and worship. I, I challenge you today to build an altar in your house, not literally, but to have a place of prayer and worship where every day you, you gather your family and you read scripture and you pray over them. We can't expect We complain about not having prayer in the schools when for most Christians there's hardly any prayer in the home. There's a statistic that says even in the church, one out of two marriages end in divorce. But I got a better statistic for you, that for those marriages where the word of God is in the center of the home and Jesus is glorified, the divorce rate becomes one out of 1,200. We got to be like Elijah. We want to rebuild the broken altars. When you go to work, you get there early and you begin to pray over the desks or the rooms or or wherever it is, the trucks, the lockers, whatever it is. When you're going into the school, just even silently, I I bless these children to to know Jesus. I, I break the power of sickness. Even as you walk in the church, Begin to pray over the community. 
people from other religions. We're, we're not going to see them as intruders, but we're believing God's planted them in this neighborhood so they could know the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are the Jeremiah's who will weep over the devastated lives and brokenness and immorality in the nation? Or, or the Daniel's. Daniel refused to conform to the culture of a day or bow down to its idols. But he stood up for God. When, it be, when, the, when the law said you can't pray to your God, he stood three times with the in, window open so the whole world could see. I serve the God of Israel. When We want to be like dancing. It tells us in the book of Hebrews that the stories written in the Old Testament were written to give us an example, not just to hear the story and say, wow, those were great men and women of God. But when you hear the story, I want to be a a modern-day Daniel. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship, and I don't care who doesn't like it. I'm not going to be embarrassed. God is looking for those like Paul in the New Testament. He stood before kings and haters and religious hypocrites and pagans. And they, many times they try to kill him. They try to beat him. And they told him to shut up. But he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That needs to be our declaration. If, if people call us narrow-minded, you're one of those bigoted Christians, I'm not going to run and hide. I'm going to tell them I am not ashamed to be identified with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to be like Queen Esther who saved her people because she was willing to obey God at any cost. Like Queen Esther, who knows whether each one of you has come into the kingdom for a time such as this. Your moment is at hand. God has a great thing for you to do. It's not an accident, it tells us in the the book of Acts, that you were born in this time, that you're living here in, the, in, this, in this region? Did you know that you're not here in the Bronx or Westchester just because you're waiting for enough money to move to Florida or North Carolina? But God has placed you here for a purpose because he sees the problems. He sees the devastation out there. And for some reason, I'm talking to every one of you, no matter how old you are, kids and youth do not have a junior Holy Spirit. He put you here because he believes that you're the answer to somebody's issues. You're the issues to a bro- you're the help to a broken family, to to a, to a downtrodden school. 
So I'm going to go to Judges chapter 6, which is a story from the Old Testament about Joshua. Now, at this point in history, and remember we went through the whole history of, of, the, of God's people? Well, I'm going back and way back into Pastor George's series, back to the time when the Israelites had come out of Egypt after 40 years, and God brought them into the promised land, and the first battle they would have was in the city of Jericho. But the problem was the wicked city of Jericho was surrounded by impenetrable walls. Nobody could get in. The Israelites were put in an impossible situation. God told them to take the land, but they couldn't go because of the walls. Now, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, evil was conquered by soldiers with swords. It was conquered by armies. If there was evil people, God would send the armies and say, well, go fight them. But in the New Testament, we overcome evil with good, with love, with acts of kindness, with the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, we still need and we honor military men and women of today and law enforcement who sometimes needs to use force on our behalf. In Romans 13, God says that they're ministers for, to us to do good. But ultimately, only light can overcome darkness, and we are called to be the light of the world. So as you read through the Old Testament stories, it doesn't mean that we're called to use violence today to take the ground, but we put it into a New Testament context, and we see that if, in order to take the city, it's going to take love and compassion and prayer and knowing the word. <laughs> and being bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. God told Joshua and the Israelites, he gave them a plan. He told them to march around the city for six days. He told them, do nothing, just walk. Don't say a word. Why did God tell them to just walk around and not say a word? Because I believe it's because for 40 years in the desert, all the Israelites ever did was grumble and complain against God. Why is this happening again? Why does God allow this to happen? Why, why, why is this person sick again? I prayed and nothing changed. That grumbling and complaining won't get you anywhere. God says, be quiet and walk. He said, just keep walk and pray. And if you don't see anything happen, just keep walking by faith. And as they walked, the priests blew their trumpets. See, trumpets were used in the Old Testament to declare victory over the enemy. But there was no victory yet. 
That's teaching us a lesson. I believe God now before I see it manifested. I begin to proclaim my healing before I feel better. Before the finances come in, I'm already thanking him. Thank you, God, for the blessing. I'm already declaring the victory before I see it. See, that's faith. God, I'm believing you for the job. Thank you for the job. And I begin to declare it into the atmosphere. And they also had with them the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the presence and the glory of God. See, in Deuteronomy 11.24, God said, Every place where you will set your foot will be yours. Well, let's put that into a New Testament. See, in the New Testament, you are the Ark of the Covenant. You contain inside of you the presence and the power of God. And just as they marched around the city to tear down the walls to take the city, you got everything in you need to take the Bronx for Jesus. To, to trample on injustice, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, to bring healing to sick and bodies and minds. If you walk through the streets, there's so many children being abused and wounded and hurt, so many hopeless people. We're not called just to walk by them, but we're called love the one in front of you. That's where you start. And they blew the trumpets. See, you are God's trumpet. It's not just about blowing a physical trumpet, but when you open your mouth, there's power in your words. Stop speaking negativity over yourself about those around you, about the future. The Bible says speak life. You be God's trumpet. You declare his goodness first over your own life, then over your family, and then everywhere you walk, you carry the good news of Jesus Christ. You trumpet him. <coughs> I, I remember before I went into ministry, I was a special ed teacher in a hospital with very sick kids. And because those kids couldn't speak, a lot of times the workers there would abuse them because people like to bully and abuse helpless people who can't do anything. And sometimes I complained and nothing happened. So you know what I started doing? At lunchtime every day I walk up and down the halls praying. And do you know that, that by the time I left, every one of those People, abusers was gone out of that hospital. I didn't have any influence. I didn't know anyone. But there's a God up in heaven, and I got friends in high places. You see, on the seventh day, they blew the trumpets. And on God's command, they begin to shout. And the walls came tumbling down in the same way today. We're going to break down walls of poverty, sickness, false religion, 
perversity, violence, abuse, sex trafficking. We don't have to live with it. We got more power than any government agency out there. I'm not waiting for some politician to change the community, change America. We are called to be the answer. So I'm going to invite Lee is going to come and give a testimony of how she was, her life is able to make an impact, and then we're going to do a prophetic act. Church, you are the light of the world. Church, you are a city that's been set atop a hill that cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. I said this several weeks back, and this has just been a reoccurring theme, like in my spirit, that we're living in a day where your light can shine, has the ability to shine greater than ever, because even though the days are dark, where sin abounds, much more grace abounds. And the funny thing about stars is that God himself has already put them in their place. And in the same way, God has already positioned you to shine right where you are, just like Pastor Gary just said. I was born in Colombia. I mean, only God could have sent me here to shine in the Bronx, right where I'm at, with all the changes of locations and homes and things that I had been through. God called me to shine right where I am. And I know you all are like, oh, she got another story. But let me tell you something. I got stories for days. I hope you all are not tired. Because when you're in Jesus, let me just tell you right now. When you're in Jesus and you're interested in the things of God, when you plant yourself to be used by him, when you are aware of exactly where you're positioned and why you're positioned there, you, just like me, will have stories for days. Stories that people can eat off of. Stories that people can gain hope from. So today I want to tell you a story about a gentleman named Sean Garen. Sean Garen was a a young man that I had grown up with in my old neighborhood. And several years ago, the Sanctuary Fellowship used to um, host an event called the Bread Factory for young people, for youth. So we had a special guest that was coming um, that night at the concert. And um, so we had churches from everywhere um, come to this house, which I loved, which I'm hoping sort of plug for Regeneration Youth will have happen again. Lots of, you know, churches come together, right? And so anyway, I walk into the church, and I see Sean Garrett sitting in the pew. And I see him with a bunch of young people. So I turn, and I'm like, and Josh is like, I think this is like a Long Island thing. I don't know why you all call everybody by their first and last name. I don't know what that's about. He's like, we don't do that in the Bronx. <laughs> he was like, you just so-so, so-and-so from the block. Or you so-and-so from here. So I walk in and I see red hair, freckle face Sean Garen sitting in the Bronx, in the hood, like with his youth. Or I didn't know they were his youth. So I'm like, Sean Garen, what on earth are you doing here? I hadn't seen him in probably like 18 years. And he was like, Lee, he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, this is my church. What are you doing in my church? And it was so weird because it was like both my worlds had just collided. This world that I had come out of, this world that God delivered me from, this world where I had the worst reputation, and now that was here in this house, in my current day, redeemed life. 
So he says to me, I got to tell you a story. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you know I'm here because of you. I was like, what? I haven't seen you in like 18 years. What do you mean you, you here because of me? He said, well, you know, growing up, he was like, I was a Christian. Like I was raised in a faith-filled home. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood. And there were some, you know, Catholic churches around. So, you know, I had some Catholic friends. But I didn't know anybody was like us. Right? Like there's a difference. And I was like, I didn't even know there were any Christians. Like I, I grew up in Douglaston. I'm like, I didn't even know there were any Christians in Douglaston. And he's like, yeah. He was like, I was raised. And he goes, but, you know, he said, I, I backslid. And I backslid hard. And he said, and then I remember, he said, when you got saved. And I'm like, what? Because I'm like, I was in foster care when I got saved. I was already out of the neighborhood. I was up here in the Bronx. And I'm like, how did he hear? But now, if you know me, you know that there is nothing subtle about me. I mean, maybe sometimes. But I was very loud and proud about my Jesus and my salvation and my redemption and telling people about this radical love that rocked my world and transformed me. And I was very vocal about that. And I had no shame about it then and I have no shame about it now. And I will stand on a mountaintop and tell you that Jesus is Lord. But that didn't come without criticism. Because even though there were many, like in the house of God that celebrated my salvation, there were many people in the world, even in my family, that deeply and greatly rejected me and made fun of me. I mean, I was like the butt of every joke in my old neighborhood. So Sean Garren says to me, one night I was sitting in a bar. Now he's, you know, already he said he was in college and, you know, he had, you know, moved on with his life, but he was still in the neighborhood. And he said a bunch of people that we used to hang out, th out with were sitting at the bar with him. So he said they started, they all started talking about me, which shocked me because I just thought, you know, people just wrote me off like, ah, whatever. She's like, you know, she out there. She don't, you know. So he starts saying, <laughs> he goes, they kind of started making fun of you and they started saying, you know, she's like a Jesus freak. She's like one of those Jesus freak people. She's all about like all that church stuff. And she's, he said they went on and on about how I was this Jesus freak. Now he was in a backslidden state and he was throwing back some with the guys. And he said the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the middle of that bar hit him unlike anything he had ever felt. And he said in that moment, he thought to himself, if that girl. If that girl that was so far gone, if that girl who did such crazy things and was known to do so many outlandish acts, thank God I am a 70s baby and there was no social media at that time. Thank you, Jesus. Can't nobody tell on me. He said, if that girl could serve God and all these dudes are sitting in a bar talking about her and her transformation and her redemption and her salvation. He was like, what on earth am I doing? He said that night he went home and he got on his knees and he repented before the Lord. He said the next day, it was a Sunday, he said he went back to the house of God. He went to the altar. He rededicated his life and said yes to the call of God and then became a youth pastor 
Which fast forward, when we saw him, when I saw him in the sanctuary, that was his youth group that he had brought to the sanctuary that night. And when he saw me, he was like, if it wasn't for you saying yes to Jesus, if it wasn't that you had been so loud and proud about it, if it wasn't that they had made fun of you that night and rumors had went around about you because you got saved, he said, I would not be sitting here with these young people tonight. So not only did Sean Garen go on to be a youth pastor, because this was many years ago that we had the bread factory here. He's now pastoring a church out in Greenwich, Connecticut. And being used greatly of the Lord. And so I'm telling you that because a lot of you think that in order to evangelize, in order to share your story, you got to get up on a mic and be given a platform. But that's a lie. That is not true. If you would just be faithful to the position like the stars are in the sky and shine in dark places, there may be rumors that will go around about you. But never mind that. There might be people that might misjudge your religion and call you A, B, C, and D. But never mind that. There may be people that will not understand the path that you've chosen. But never mind that. Because there is a greater glory. And there is a greater purpose. And several weeks ago, I said something that I hope that you heard. And what I said from this pulpit, the day that I told you that you were the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and the city set atop a hill that cannot be hidden was this. That one day you will be face to face with Jesus. And one day there will be a line of people standing at the the entry gate of heaven. And one day you will enter into those gates. And the Lord will point to all those people. And he will say to you, this is because you were faithful in your position and in your place. And he will look at you and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Ephraim to come and also the rest of the worship team. And we want to do what's called a prophetic act. We have, I just told the story in um, Joshua chapter 6, how they blew the trumpet and the walls came tumbling down. Everything that held back the people of God was removed out of the way. Now, there's no power in the trumpet. You could sit and blow it all day. It might not change anything. But when you stand up in faith and you believe God and say, just as the men of old blew the trumpet and they declared victory, we're going to do that right now. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And as you're standing, I I just really feel led today. I want to call forth the children who are going back to school, the teenagers, the adults. I, I believe God wants to do something radical in the schools this year, in the colleges. So if you could bring your kids, if they, if it's hard for them to come alone, but I'm going to ask all the kids to come up.
or a college student, high school students. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Nobody's looking at you. You're going to college? Come up. We're, we're believing, God, that you're going to be a difference maker, a, a shining light in this dark world. We're not going to curse the school systems. We're going to transform them. We're going to change this community to shine for Jesus. That the Bronx itself will be known as a city shining on a hill. God did not put us in the world to leave it, leave things as they were. We're called to make it better, leave it better than how we found it. That everyone that we meet, I want to leave that person in a better place than they were before. I, I want to somehow minister to them, love them. And I release that anointing over every one of you. So in the Bible, they blew the trumpet and they shouted in victory. Now we don't, maybe we don't see the victories yet. When we walk outside, we're still going to see the alcoholism and the poverty and the, and the false religion and the sin. But as an act of faith, we're going to shout to proclaim victory, and we're going to shout it also over these children. So I'm going to ask Lee to come back, who's going to pray over the children, and then we're going to blow the trumpet. I want to declare this scripture over you, everyone under the sound of my voice, and of course, more specifically for the ones here in the front. First Peter 2.9. But you are the ones chosen by God for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. You are God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he has made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just speak a blessing right now in Jesus' name. Just with the authority that comes from heaven, the authority to bind and loose, I loose favor. I loose blessing. I loose anointing. I loose strategy and wisdom Father, over your people right now in Jesus' name. I loosen faith into the hearts of your people, Lord, so that they might believe for greater this year than ever before. I loosen grace and mercy. Let them receive it in a way that they've never heard it or felt it before, God. I command that every eye will be open to the glory of God that rests upon them in Jesus' name. I declare that there no weapon that will be formed against them will have the power, the authority, or the ability to prosper in Jesus' name. 
I bind every satanic attack that's going to try and move them out of the place that you have set them in this year. I command that every financial need over every college student's loan and over every college student's tuition will be paid for in full so that they will not be moved from that institution. I pray favor and blessing over every private school child in this house that there will be more than enough money to make the monthly payment that even favor will come and that somebody out of nowhere will say, I'd like to cover that for you in Jesus' name. I declare that this house will be a house that is debt-free and the children that are within it will be fully stocked up and supplied with every single thing they need, not owing anything. I declare that now. Tuition is paid for in Jesus' name. Tuition will be paid for supernaturally in Jesus' name. I declare favor with teachers. I declare every child, every student, even every adult that's going back to school will find favor with their professors, will find favor with their teachers, that they will prosper academically, and that when they do, they will acknowledge and have a Holy Spirit conviction that this has been the work of God, and they will remember this day when the blessing of our God was spoken over them. I declare that they will be those that are set apart, these are the people, God. These are the people that you've set apart. These are the ones that you've chosen, Jesus. For this time and for this hour, where they are right now, I bind every lie that tells them that they are not good enough, that they are not able enough, that it is impossible to be used by you. I openly declare and, and command and loosen the possibilities of heaven over every life right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible, God. That one that was struggling in school will graduate because all things are possible. That household that hasn't seen anyone graduate from college, all things are possible. I declare that that one that it's been so difficult to get into a certain career field, they haven't been able to get past the obstacle or the blockade. I declare all things are possible and you're going to go into that career field and you're going to go into that place of business. I declare the doctors and the lawyers of this house. I declare government officials that will be raised up in this house to make change and to be a light for the glory of God. I declare nurses in this house in the name of Jesus. I declare teachers in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask for dreams and visions to be very vivid in this season over your people. The same way that you've given them to so many of us, God, and you've been so generous. Let dreams and visions, God, wash over them, God. Let it wash. Let it wash away every doubt. Let it wash away every fear. Let it wash them, God. Wash them. Wash them, God. Wash them with hope, God. Wash them with strength. Wash them with wisdom. Flush out, God, what doesn't belong to you. Flush out what doesn't belong to you. Flush out what's come from the world. Flush it out, God, in this season. 
Father, we thank you for the success of this house. We thank you for every young person that you're raising up, for every mother, for every father, for every, every, every diligent worker, every diligent laborer in this house, God. Thank you for them. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you that many stories. I declare this in Jesus' name. You know, I wanted to tell Pastor George, I needed to say this to you, and I just want to say it publicly. I was going to say it to you after church, but I was sitting here, and, you know, I really feel like um, there were certain things that maybe a lot of people in this house don't know about that you laid down um, in order for this house um, to be what it is today. And I really believe that that sacrifice was not only for when you first started the church or for your family or, and, and it's been a blessing for all those things, but I really feel prophetically the Lord is saying, because you laid down certain things that were going to bring you earthly success. The Lord says there are going to be hundreds of stories of success and success is going to rise up out of this house because you decided to lay down an earthly success before the altar of our God. And because of that, even I hear the Lord saying in like 10 years from now, in 20 years from now, the Lord is going to make great, he's going to raise up great men and women. And let me tell you when I say that the end goal is not like fame and like, you know, influence. That's not, I'm not trying to preach that, but what I am saying is that God says that he will raise you up. He says that the child, that your children will be great in the land, great in the land, great and filled with influence and filled with favor and filled with authority and power that they'll look upon you and your children and say, how did you get this way? How did you become like that? You live where and you became what? And you came from nothing and you became something and you were a drug addict and God made you a doctor and you were nobody on the street and God made you a lawyer and you came from the most rejected place and God sent you in a place of government authority and I truly, truly, truly am convicted by this work because I was going to tell you this after service. But the Lord has, I, I even see him, he's gifted you because you laid down certain things so that you didn't take on earthly success. He's gifted you with people and he's gifted you with something in this house unlike what your earthly success could have ever provided for you. And I just, when you take a moment and you're in your secret place with God, and I know he's probably like cringing inside that I'm going to say this, but please pray for him and his family. Please pray for the pastors, pastors of our house. They have laid down things and they have sacrificed things. And, and I say this with love in my heart to the people of God, but sometimes we can be so very critical of the things that we see happening in the house of God. And we want to blame it on one person or two people. But I tell you today, what you have not seen with your human eyes is a great sacrifice that have come from Pastor Michelle and Pastor George. And no, this is not Pastor Appreciation Sunday, but I feel very stirred in my spirit to tell you that something very dynamic, something very unlike anything that we have seen in the church world is going to emerge from this body here at the Sanctuary Fellowship. There is something very special about this house. I tell you, I go out to churches all the time. I minister in different houses. Pastor Gary too. And I tell you one thing, there is not, I'm not trying to preach nothing crazy or like we are cold or we're the only ones. But what I'm telling you is that there is a special anointing on this house. There is a special favor that is resting upon us. And no matter what's happened in what season, God has been so very faithful because guess what? Pastor George and Pastor Michelle know this very well. They 
they know this church don't belong to them. They know Pastor Mo and Pastor Mark know this church don't belong to them. Pastor Gary knows this church don't belong to him. Pastor Ephraim and Margie, they know this church don't belong to them. They know who this house belongs to. And because they know whose house this belongs to, it belongs to God. That's why we have seen us go from glory to glory to glory to glory because like pastor g just said earlier the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and i tell you as sure as i stand here and you see me the gates of hell will not prevail against the sanctuary fellowship and i don't know why i'm declaring all the all of this over this house but i tell you you have come to the right place at the right time i tell you might have been thinking about leaving you might have been thinking about giving up and saying no to the ministry but i want to tell you you have been planted in good soil so right now in Jesus name I tear down every lie that the devil has tried to come in and infiltrate your thinking with thinking that you have not been at the right place like you need to go somewhere let me tell you something sometimes sometimes we talk so much about how it takes such great faith to go and to go somewhere where you've never been but let me tell you what takes greater faith to stay right where you are and to stay planted until you see God move and until you see the harvest come and I want to reiterate what my husband said last a few weeks ago the harvest is here and that's why Pastor Gary is preaching what he's preaching because the harvest is here and we've got a special call on this house we've got a special call and my hope is, is that your heart would remain open. And I'm sorry, I know I'm not supposed to preach, but I just, I feel very stirred in my spirit because we have to be ready. We have to be ready. There's great, there's a great harvest coming in. We have Pastor Mo, that's the administrative pastor now, who's building us a structure by God's grace to, so that we can have the capacity to grow and to build and to have more than what we ever had. And not just financially. But there's a harvest coming in. My daughter even came to me the other day, and I'm not saying this is prophetic, but she was just like, how come we don't have two services, three services? Like I, and, I, and it was just weird because she don't ever talk like that. And she said this to me, and I was like, oh, because I think even the youngest of them know. They know it's written upon all our hearts, the time that we're in. We're in a time of grace church we're in a time of grace we're in a time of grace we're in a time of favor and we are living in the greatest days we are living in a day of miracle for all you young people the teenagers I got a house full of them I tell you God's going to use you and just by your smile just by your success and God's going to shine through you for his glory amen church amen Amen. So in Joshua chapter 6, as they blew the trumpet, God said, shout, because I have given you this city. And as we blow the, the trumpet, and we have the ram's horn that they, just as they used back in those days, we're going to believe that this city, that this town, this community is going to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So we're going to blow the trumpet. And I want to hear a Holy Ghost shout rise up. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we take this city for you. We claim it for your glory, God. We command every wall, come down in Jesus' name. Walls of poverty, racism, now in Jesus' name. 